Hi, I'm Paul Stringflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's data everywhere as we take a look at brand new ways of solving age-old data problems. So, sell back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Um, on this week's show, I'm, I'm doing a bit of a catch-up with a company I first came across um, back end of last year, back in October, at a one of the Gestalt IT Tech Field Day events. Um, and they were talking about a new approach to dealing with uh, what really is an age-old problem. You know, I mean, I've been in the industry over 20 years, and, and the problem they were dealing with, this idea of uh, global file access, you know, data storage across multiple sites and, and how you kind of manage that problem has been a problem during all of my time in IT and continues to be a problem. Um, and it was an interesting and, and kind of refreshing approach that these guys had to, to dealing with that. So so what I wanted to do was catch up with the uh, the team at Hammerspace, get a little bit of an update, um, you know, because we're, we're going back kind of nine months. And, uh, and when I was talking to guys before recording, they were saying nine months is is like many lifetimes in uh, in the storage and startup world. So, so I wanted to get a little bit of an update on on where they are at now um, and kind of how their technology and, and is developing and how they see the market developing for, for what they do. Um, so to help me to do that, I'm joined today by uh, David Flynn. Hi, David. Hi, Paul. How are you? Are you well? I am doing well. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for hosting us. Yeah, no, no problem, and uh, thanks for coming on Tech Interviews this week. Uh, you know, and uh, appreciate your time. So, well, well, before we jump into our topic and kind of get an update on where Hammerspace are and and how they see the market, um, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself, a little bit about your background, and and what it is you do today? So, um, I guess my claim to fame was founding the company Fusion IO. Um, we introduced what has now become NVMe Flash, which I'm stoked to report that this year crossed over as the highest volume uh, SSD form factor uh, connectivity. So uh, it's now dominating, which is really cool. Um, so uh, before that, my background was in high performance computing and in particular, the introduction of InfiniBand into the HPC space back in the uh, early 2000s. So um, HPC uh, and uh, high performance storage uh, NVMe flash. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's where my background comes from. I'm a software guy, systems guy, but uh, Fusion IO was a means to an end. Um, and, uh, and now I'm on to the, uh, the software and systems side of things. Yeah, so you're responsible for uh, some of the industry's best buzzwords of the last 20 years, InfiniBand, NVMe, um, and, and now a focus around data, which is, I guess, the um, kind of the, the, the buzzword and focus for, for many of us. So, um, well, you know, let, let's, let's kind of jump in a little bit to um, where you are now then. So, uh, yeah, I said in the introduction, I kind of first came across you guys uh, back end of 2018, um, your company called Hammerspace. So tell me a little bit about Hammerspace and, and kind of what it is that you guys do. So Hammerspace is, at the highest level, uh, uh, turning the world of data use and management into a data-centric affair, data-centric through metadata. So our whole gambit is that we have been, as an industry, managing data through the infrastructure. You can't even refer to a piece of data without first pointing to the, the piece of storage that it's in, and the data is managed indirectly by managing the storage that's holding it. That is upside down, kind of tail wagging the dog. We are flipping it around so that you manage data through data about the data, metadata, and then automation. So uh, that is data as a service, because that's ultimately what you see is that your data, simply exists uh, 
independent of where it might be stored and how that might evolve over time. Yeah, and I think that's a I, I think that's a really interesting point. And you know, and we were uh, we talked a little bit before we recorded, um, and, and it really resonates resonates with me that message because it's one of the conversations that I have on a regular basis with uh, organisations that I speak to. You know, the, the idea of having a, a technology strategy moving forward that has a data focus to it. You know, we all talk about uh, kind of the world of uh, you know, a lot lots of companies will talk about how they want value from their data. You know, data is the new oil. Yeah, yeah platinum yep. whatever whatever expensive resource you can think of you know data is that um but the amount of companies that i talk to that actually maintain that traditional approach is that i'm going to build an infrastructure and put data on it but my focus is about how i make that infrastructure do clever things and, and right. i think it's a really interesting message around the idea that actually the way we should look at data is to focus on what we want from the data um and just to maybe take take a uh, take a step back a, a little bit actually mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. looking at that idea of where people are focused on infrastructure and dropping data on it i mean what what kind of challenges have you seen that present you know because yeah. um, obviously you've seen some problems which has led to kind of hammer space uh, existing well uh, there are a number of of factors that have made it uh such that the time is now to solve the problem. One is hybrid multi-cloud and the fact that uh, the infrastructure on which you put the data, uh, that landscape is only more complicated uh, with uh, different clouds, the infrastructure is owned by different people. Uh, so uh, on the hybrid multi-cloud, that's one angle. The other is on the performance side of the spectrum, having data inside of each server. So I created a nightmare problem. If you start putting NVMe flash into each server, how do you manage the data in a world where it's, it's distributed across the server? So I'd like to think I'm, I'm fixing the problem that I helped create on the ultra <laughs> performance end of the spectrum. I wanna be able to tap into that ultra performance and I wanna be able to tap into the ultra scale of object storage and cloud. And what's really cool is that the approach for solving this has its corollary in what's going on in the Kubernetes and containerization world. Because there too, they're wrestling with complex infrastructure and the need to, uh, to, to manage things in a way that, that, uh, that lets you step outside of that complexity. And, and the approach there is to break it into its smallest constituent pieces, the microservices, and then using a declarative model in which you state what's intended, your goals or your objectives, that's the YAML files, and then you have Kubernetes orchestrate uh, the, those, those containers across the environment to achieve what, what you've, you've wanted. And that can then be a, a fairly complex environment. It's all handled by the system. We're doing the same thing for data, encapsulating the data at the most granular level, uh, the individual files, objects, or, or LUNs, and then through data about the data, which describes what it is you want, a declarative model, the system then orchestrates the data across the infrastructure to achieve those stated goals. And that could be across data centers, it could be across different uh, storage systems. Really, you can think about it as a spectrum of different design points, everything from NVMe flash, local to the server, consume that millions of IOPS, 
to uh, a big bucket in the sky with very high latency, uh, but very safely protected and, and much cheaper on a per capacity basis. So we need to span the spectrum of design point. We need to span the spectrum of different physical locations. And the way that we can handle the complexity of addressing that is by flipping the model. Instead of being managed in the concrete through the perspective of the infrastructure, we manage it in the abstract through metadata and automation. So the um, so as you was describing that, it kind of got me to thinking that so, so uh, you know it is the problem that you see that if we design our, our our kind of modern data strategy, our data platform, you know if we decide to design that with a focus on infrastructure, we end up with this problem. You kind of talked about, and um, we, we said it in the introduction, that the, the problem you guys are looking to solve is how that you deal with data across these wide geographically spread locations. You know, lots of people in multiple locations wanting to access kind of the same data. And so I'm probably doing you a little bit of a disservice. In, in no, no, you're describing it great. Yeah, that, no, that, that, that's exactly right. But we can't forget the other dimension, which is the design point. The Performance, peak performance versus capacity and cheap capacity, those are very different design points with lots of different technologies. The, the, they exist for a reason and they have their place. What we have to do is elevate the discussion so that data is managed uh, independent of it and, uh, and is realized across the infrastructure automatically to meet the stated goals. So now you're using it to your advantage instead of your disadvantage the fact that there is a, a, a wide range of design points and a wide range of physical locations, different data centers, different racks, different servers. So, so the so yeah, so, the, so the, I suppose that idea then. So, so if I if I look at the world from that infrastructure perspective, then when I want to share my data across all of these kind of not only multiple locations but different types of repositories as well. So as you mentioned, yep. maybe some stuff on prem, it maybe some stuff in the cloud. That I, I, I guess I'm always looking at. I'm trying to paper over the cracks in that <laughs> infrastructure build. You know, I may yeah. be looking at using ways of delivering things. You know, and without any disrespect to any of these technologies, maybe I'm I'm, I'm looking at caching of technology because these these things will all have their place. Caching of technology. I'm looking at things like replicating lots of data into multiple locations. But I'm always trying to you know fix fix the problem right. that i created um it, exactly you can look at it as different ways to try to stretch the data out of the singular design point to meet you know to, to to be able to to get the benefit of another design point or stretch it from one physical location to get the benefit of being in another location even the act of backing something up is taking it out of local and putting in something that's cheap and at a long distance for safe retention um so there's uh a cadre of different technologies, caching, tiering, backup, replication, global namespaces, even the notion of you know virtual SANs and virtualizing your local disks to try to make a, a, a pool of storage. These are all ways that that try to tap into design points and different physical locations. But you know the problem is they all take uh, the status quo of data being managed by the infrastructure through the infrastructure for granted. And they only make it worse because now your data is smeared between multiples. And that's why it's never felt right because you're only complicating your life when you start using a global namespace, when you start using uh, caching or tiering, because now where is your data and how do you manage it? If you're used to managing it through the infrastructure, now stretching it just means you've just compounded your complexity. But by flipping the thing all the way around and making it data-centric through metadata, uh, now you can truly encapsulate and hide uh, and have the, the diversity 
uh, of design point and location work in your benefit. So, so that's, well, let's, let's dig into that because I, and I, and I think this is really the, the, the thing that re- really appealed to me when I kind of saw you guys present last year was this idea of the, the way that you're approaching this problem. So, so let's talk about that. So, so you know, you've, you've, meant, you've kind of used a phrase a couple of times there, flipping it on its head. So, so how, how have you done that? How do, how do you go about flipping it on its head? What does that look like if I'm a, a CIO or a technologist within a, within a company? How, how do I need to think about this differently to, to maybe take a different way of solving a problem? Well, there's the, the, we can talk about it two, two different ways. One in the, in the concept, then in the, in the how it's implemented. And both are important. You know, first, you know, the concept is that you have uh, a uh, universal namespace, something that has your files, you know, block devices and objects uh, in uh, a directory structure, uh, roughly correlating to a file system, consumable like it were a file system, but having richer metadata. And now instead of pointing to infrastructure, you point to that metadata service. Uh, and so your data is referenced now uh, as a service, data as a service. Now the trick to how it's implemented is actually super important. And that is to split the control plane with the metadata that's driving it from the data access path. Only then can you avoid the false uh, compromise of having to slow down your data access to have this richer metadata experience. And that's been the downfall of prior attempts to uh, to do global namespace kind of things is that they went through a bump in the wire, a central mux, and that 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 kills the most important thing that you're asking your storage to do, and that's to deliver the data with performance. So by by having this be a separate control plane and a directory service like lookup, it actually enhances performance because now. I hand out a route and my client goes directly to the data and that can be scalable now. So now my data can scale in parallel with perfectly linear scalability because my directory service can hand out different routes to different clients and then they, they speak directly unimpeded by each other. So this notion of separating control plane and metadata from data path uh, is, is at the heart of it. One of the things that has made what we are doing possible is the fact that on a go-forward basis, when we're talking about in the data center and performance, Linux is it. Linux has won the OS war in the data center. Uh, And uh, looking forward, uh, that's what matters. And the beauty of that is it has allowed us to enhance the Linux client for how Linux sees network-attached data. To, so that it knows how to do this, this look aside lookup. As a matter of fact, our CTO, Trond Mikkelbust, is the Linux kernel maintainer of the storage networking stack. So my team has, has contributed more than 70% of the enhancements that have gone upstream into Linux have come from, from this team. And it's been so as to uh, split control plane and metadata from the data access path so that you can get highly scalable data access as well as a much richer experience in managing your data through metadata. The, the, um, the, and the way you've described that, actually, it kind of um, in the back of my mind reminded me of something that I'd, 
I really liked about when I, I first kind of looked at, at, at what Hammerspace did or does. And and one of the things that struck me was that one of the challenges sometimes with trying to address this problem of uh, data in multiple locations and, and how you deal with this is often that idea that I need to port my data onto some other platform. And actually, that's not the case, is it, with you guys? I, I mean, although you can do that, you know, you, you're almost taking... Um, but, but utilizing that metadata to kind of build a, a version of that data to kind of present the data without ever having to necessarily move the data to a, a location until it's needed. Um, and and it, I mean, does that remain still the case? You know, are you really you're taking existing storage location, storage repositories and doing smart stuff with the metadata oh, from those yeah. repositories. So some really powerful things here. First, you can take your network attached data um, you know, network file system, NFS or, or SMB, these, you know, file shares, you can point Hammerspace to it and uh, we, we can make it appear as though all of that data is now in Hammerspace uh, instantly. The data stays resident on the, the original source until it might need to be moved later. And the metadata gets uh, scanned in the background and on demand. So through Hammerspace, it looks instant that you have basically made a clone of that entire data set. It could have a billion files. As you go to use it, it fetches it in uh, and it's scanning it all in the background. And the net result, though, is that you have then uh, uh, integrated uh, all of that in. So whether that's NetApp or Isilon or uh, uh, cloud file services. Basically, you can point to all those sources, pull them into uh, a Hammerspace namespace uh, instantly, and then have your users and applications um, consume the data from that consistent view while you're able to evolve your infrastructure, uh, maybe to move it to cloud, maybe to move it to different sites, maybe to change the design point, maybe to make it a newer generation. But basically, you've now decoupled your data from the infrastructure. So that's one thing is that that uh, instant assimilation. The other is that now that you're in Hammerspace, you can simply swipe the mouse and say what you want and the system will align the data to those those requests automatically. So you say I want this data set over here, I want this data set over there. They can be directives as, as concrete as that and the data gets moved. Or it can be things like I want five nines. Uh, availability and I want uh, this thing to be capable of uh, 50,000 IOPS and the system will align the data across the infrastructure uh, so as to achieve those those uh, more abstract stated goals. And that's what we mean by managing through objective is you don't have to prescriptively set up uh, replication from here to here and go do this or that. Those are one-offs. They're not repeatable. Uh, and they're not manageable. But here you're simply saying, you know, this is what I want it to look like. And tell me when you're done or tell me if you're not able to achieve that. And so it's really a differencing mechanism where it's measuring the difference of the environment compared to what the intentions are stated and telling you, you know, as it aligns it. So moving stuff into the cloud is as simple as point it to the existing data set and then set the objective that says, I want this to also have a copy in the cloud. And then you monitor the system until it has uh, achieved that that alignment. 
I mean, it sounds like the, the kind of the real beauty of this data focused approach. And, and it was interesting when you were describing um, the infrastructure and, and how that infrastructure looks is that it, it's that extraction of the data from the back end infrastructure. So all I'm really saying is let, I, I just need to see the data. I don't really need to care. And I'm not interested in where the data resides anymore. I, I just need to see it. All about empowering the data owner to manage his data independent of the infrastructure. He's simply stating what he's wanting. It's about, it's about self-service. And if there's anything that's cloud as a concept, it's that I need to be able to get my job done without having to worry about concerns about the infrastructure, right? And, and so we have, to, we, we have to fix the data side of this because right now the way data is managed is through the concrete. Data is managed through your selection of what storage system to put it on. And the industry doesn't know anything other than that. Uh, and here we're saying, no, there is a different way to do it. You manage it through data about the data, metadata, and, uh, and through automation and AI that moves the data into alignment with what you want and, 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 and measures that. It's a very different principle. Yeah, so and, and I, I guess with uh, with this as well, and I, and I suppose one of the attractions of, of this kind of approach, you know, where I'm just extracting the data and, and manipulating what I see in certain locations, is as you said, you know, where you know maybe I've invested in NetApp or Isilon or I've invested in a cloud storage bucket somewhere, but the reason I've made those investments potentially is because they have some other benefits to me as well. And, and from the way you're describing that, is that if I use Hammerspace to fix a particular problem in terms of the way I present my data. Um, it doesn't mean that I then lose kind of the back end capability of why I might have invested in NetApp in the first place, for example. You know, maybe I want some like clever stuff yeah, that NetApp does. You don't, and I, the, I don't want to lose that. You yeah. don't solve the problem of data silos by building yet another silo. And that's, that's why I kind of find it ironic <laughs> the attempts to build a storage company around the design point of Kubernetes. It's an old world solution to a new world architecture that is actually the antithesis of a monolith. Uh, and uh, infrastructure-centric management. Kubernetes is, you know, managing workload in a way that's independent of the infrastructure through declared intent, the same principle and model. The last thing this world needs is another storage silo. I mean, we did that with, with, uh, with uh, uh, Hadoop, and it has failed miserably. Uh, you know, the Hadoop concept uh, was all about putting your data in that same cluster and having you know the the map reduce and all of that and 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 it's turned into a, a real prison for data. Um, when we go to containers, let's not make the same mistake. And the answer to that is how do we orchestrate granularly the data with the same degree of agility, uh, control, and uh, efficiency? that your Kubernetes is orchestrating the workload itself, the microservices. So um, I, 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 we're coming to the end of our time a little bit here. And, and so there's there's two quick things I, I kind of wanted to cover with you before we wrap up. So so the first one was talking a lot about metadata and the way that you utilize metadata to uh, present an, an image that looks like uh, file storage to a user. So if I mm -hmm. put it in a real simple world, I'm a user sat on a site. I want to see some file shares. You present something that looks like the file shares. I assume yeah, though at some point. System, I'm, I'm, it is a file share. 
Yeah. So, so I assume at some point, though, that if I want to access my Excel spreadsheet, that Excel spreadsheet needs to make its way to me as a client in, in some way. So, so I assume that, that you know, it, it didn't just get rebuilt magically. Actually, there is some, some movement of data eventually, I guess. So this, the, the, the service is tracking where all each file is instantiated across the infrastructure. And when a client, your computer, when it goes to open that file, uh, it talks to the metadata service is like a directory lookup and it gets a route information to go and talk to the data directly. So we don't have to proxy the data through to the client. We simply route the client directly to it. That's why this can magically, uh, this can allow you to get scalability that was never possible before in the world of file, shared file you know, in the NAS world, this is, uh, so NAS embedded the file system in the storage array. We're saying that file system should live outside as a service and should route the client to access the data wherever the data resides. The net effect from the client looks the same. You open your file, it opens. You don't see the difference. Under the covers though, it's much higher performing because now it can route to in parallel to many different targets. Um, and the data itself can be in close proximity or it could be at a distance. If you want to be able to access it more readily, then uh, you can have the uh, Hammerspace uh, service move the data uh, to storage that's much closer. So if that piece of data did not have an instance locally and you had to go over to another data center there's going to be higher latency if you've accessed it recently before or if you've used declarative intent in the metadata to say i want this data set uh, kept at this site so that i can rapidly access anything without having to wait then it'll already be there so yeah the, the where the data is physically instantiated is independent of of how you as a user view it. And this is what's so powerful because now I can move, I can move the metadata, I can replicate the metadata at every site, but what data has to be at what site depends on where it's needed. There's an analogy that maybe would help here. And it's kind of like um, the industry has been managing uh, a library through the bookshelves. And what we're doing is saying, let's elevate the discussion. So we're managing it through a catalog system and automated librarians that pack the bookshelves at the behest of what is declared about the data instead of the other way around. So we move from the concrete managing through the shelving to the abstract managing through uh, statements about what's wanted. Uh, uh, the uh, the worrying world of the uh, automaton librarian. Um, That's right. So thanks for thanks for introducing that to us as well. Um, <laughs> so um, well, uh, to, to kind of one last question, then we'll kind of wrap up with how people can find out a little bit more about what you guys do and, and find some more information on your technology. But if I'm listening to this as a uh, somebody who, and let's face it, I'm probably I'm listening to this as somebody who has this problem with how do I share 
ever increasing amounts of data to ever more locations and, and have more flexibility. Yep. But like most technologies, you know, Hammerspace is probably not the right fit for absolutely everybody and maybe other methods might be might be better fits. But but if I'm listening to this and say, well, am I, am I a good candidate for what Hammerspace do? You know, what, what kind of problems have I got? What does my infrastructure so, look like? You know, so this is uh, the this is most useful for people who are accustomed to sort of the highest standard of data management. And that's typically folks who've used NAS systems uh, where they use the file data services, snapshots, clones, where they're used to a very refined enterprise data services environment. And the challenge is you don't get that in the cloud. The file services in the cloud are woefully lacking. They don't support Windows, they don't have snaps and clones, they don't do tiering. They're actually relatively expensive because your data is in that one silo. So if you're looking at taking your, uh, your environment, if you have uh, been benefiting from using enterprise grade data services supplied through your storage array, this gives you a chance to have those data services now independent and allows you to move into cloud. So it'll typically be a combination of those two things. One, wanting to uh, continue to have the convenience of enterprise data services, and two, wanting to tap into the new world of cloud, hybrid cloud, uh, as a service model, and, and the agility and uh, uh, control that you get from that. Um, and this, or moving to container environments. So how do I take uh, my data sets that are mission critical, my systems of record, and I wanna move those workloads into container world, now I have to manage that data. And that's where enterprise data services allow you to manage data. Um, so yeah, those are the two things. Okay, so well, so, uh, as we wrap up here, then, so you know, so if people have been listening to this this show and uh, fascinated by kind of the conversation and and interested in Hammerspace's approach to solving this problem, I mean, what's a good way that they can find out more about the solution? Is a way they can try the solution out? You know, what, what what's a good way for them to kind of follow up? Yeah, uh, would ask them just to uh, visit uh, uh, Hammerspace.com. Uh, come come talk to us there. Um, hammerspace.slack.com. We've got a Slack channel up and uh, would uh, you know love to entertain conversations there. So we, we will just quickly introduce Brendan in the background there who was uh, who was busily prompting there. So, um, so so thank you for your input there, Brendan. Um, so um, yeah, it, just in case people are listening to the show and, and thought who was the ghostly uh, disjointed yeah, that, that, voice that, in the that, background. That's my coach. This is Brendan who runs our uh, product marketing and uh, and uh, he's the guy who knows all this stuff. I'm just the head. <laughs> so, so Brendan in marketing couldn't go through a whole podcast without saying something, obviously. Um, so, no, uh, the other way, way to say that is I couldn't make it through a whole podcast without needing some information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> website and the Slack so, though are awesome. So, um, well, and and uh, David, if if people want to kind of uh, interact or, or find out more about you or contact you, is there a way they can do that as well, or is that again, just best? Uh, David Flynn at at uh, Hammerspace .com. Uh, just, uh, you know, send me an email. Love to engage. Okay. Okay. Well, look, guys, I really appreciate your time. I think that's been, um, you know, it was equally fascinating as, as the kind of stuff that I saw at, um, at Tech Field Day. I'll, I'll, I'll post some links to that kind of stuff as well and, and uh, you know, some of the follow-up information that came from that. But um, so I really appreciate your time. 
Well, okay, go on, man. If we're successful five to 10 years down the road, people are going to look back and go, how on earth did we manage data in a world where we had to do it through the infrastructure? This will be as transformative as server virtualization was in its day at separating the workload from the infrastructure. And we're seeing the second generation of that with containers versus the first generation with, uh, with you know, virtualizing the whole monolithic machine. So uh, stay tuned because uh, this, I think, has the real potential to transform how we as an industry think about and use data. Well, that, that's great because that means now I've got my first episode of Tech Interviews for the year 2029. There you go. So, um, so I'll get that. I'll get another diary and we will ask that question. But hey, guys, well, I really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review and subscribe? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. And if you've got an idea for a tech interview show or would like to appear as a guest, why not drop me a line at podcast at techstringy.com. So until next time, thanks for listening.